Praise the Lord. Welcome everyone this morning to uh, Sunday School. We're going to take up where we left off last week. Ten things that we need to do to detoxify our soul, to clean our soul up, and to, to get things in order that we may be able to work for the Lord. And, and you know, I tell you what, the Lord has been uh, stressing so very much on me here lately about doing the will of the Lord and working for the Lord and, and getting up off the seat of do nothing and do something for the Lord and to uh, act like that we are a Christian and not act like that we uh, just really don't care but we're just saved and we're on our way to heaven and that's all we care about. But you know it, it's time that we really we really need to take a good look at our soul we need to figure out just exactly where we stand with the Lord and we need to figure out just exactly what we need to do to get closer to Him and we also need to figure out what it is that God has got for us to do. And we need to be doing it. As Jesus said, I must need to be about my Father's business. So that's what we need to be about. But Joe, open us up in a word of prayer this morning. and they will just keep getting worse and worse. 
worse and worse. But when you allow it to take, take root in yourself, and I mean, they, they get down in, in there and I, they root in and they're hard to pull up and get rid of. It poisons your uh, soul. It poisons your uh, relationship with the Lord. It blocks you from experiencing the grace and, and uh, the blessings that God has for you. Yeah, you still get some of them, but you don't totally get all of them because it, it blocks them those things and it comes between you and the Lord and it will get it will it will get to the point of where that every time that you see that person or every time that, that person's name is mentioned that bitterness will rise up in you. And the only way that we can get rid of it is to turn it over to the Lord and, and tell him to help us to get over this bitterness. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse uh, 33, God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. It's the only way that we'll can get over that bitterness. A lot of these things that, that we have talked about, the ones last week and the ones we're going to talk about today, that's the only way we're going to get rid of those things. Turn them over to the Lord, and, and every time they rise up, Ask the Lord for help. Ask the Lord for help. Yes, it will get easier and easier, and, and finally one day you'll look at that person and and there's there's no hatred there, there's no bitterness there, there's nothing there. You just you just see that person as you do any other person. But it takes a while and it takes a lot of work on our part. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and all evil speech be put away from you with all minds. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Go life at verse 32. That is the hard one to really to live up to. Be ye kind one to another. When you have that bitterness in your heart and it is hard to be kind to those people. As a matter of fact, you don't even want to be in the same zip code as those people are in. You don't want, you don't want to see them. You don't want nothing to do with them. You don't even want to have to talk to them. But that's where we need to give it over to the Lord and let the Lord handle be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Understand why that that person is the way that they are to you. Understand why. To understand that person and to understand why they are what the way they are, you're going to have to take a little time and, and sit down and talk to them, or not sit down, but just talk to them, and you'll find out that the more you talk to them, the more you understand them, the more that it helps to get rid of that bitterness because then you understand exactly what is driving them and exactly why they are the way they are. I always say it. If somebody is, is whoever is in control of your life is, one, is what is going to, going to control 
control your actions. If God is in complete control of your life, then your actions are going to be to the good. You're going to be that, that tender-hearted. You're going to be kind to everybody. You're going to be forgiven. No matter what people does to you, you're just going to let it just roll off of you and go on. But on the other hand, if Satan is in control of your life, then all the bad things, the reason why that you have that bitterness is because of this what this person said to you or done to you is because of Satan's in control of his life. And it's that simple. Colossians 3, 8 through 14. But now ye also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man and his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. For there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and the beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgive you, so also do ye. And above all, these things put on charity, which is a bond of perfectness. Charity or love. Love, if we can if we can get to the point to where that we can love one another no matter what, it will really go along. Hard, it is hard sometimes to love people, especially when you have that bitterness in you, especially when you have that resentment of other people. You don't want to be around them. You can't have that love with, without a little bit of fellowship. You can't have that love and not want to be around somebody. You know, we need to be around people. We are of this world, but we are not of it. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And we have to be around worldly people. But this is where that we need to be a separated people. We need to be different from the world. We need to come out from among the world. And we need to let the world know that there is something different about us than it is from everybody else. And if you look like the world and you act like the world, you can't let the world, you can't prove to the world that there's something different in you. So you have to be different. You have to be completely different. And that's where a lot of people are, are getting into trouble. They, they, want to, they want to go to heaven, but they want to live like the world. They want to protect the world. Get rid of envy. Envy. The 
feeling of wanting to have what someone else has. Painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. I, at one time, I, I have had a real problem with why, Lord, are all these sinners and all the people that have rejected you, why are they prospering and I am just barely scraping by doing the same thing that they're doing? Why, why, what, what is wrong with this picture? And we've got to realize one thing. We don't look at the here and now. We don't look at what's going on right now. We have to look at the big picture. We have to look at the end of our life and find out just exactly what goes on when we leave this world. Whether it be in death or the Lord comes back after. We need to look at that picture. What, where do we go when we leave this world? If you are a child of God and you have, you have done everything you can do and you have done the work of the Lord and, and you are saved and you have the blood applied to your life, when you leave, you're going to go to a better place. You're going to get your reward then. Your reward is not right now. We have to do a lot of work and we have to, have to do with some hard times and we have to go through some troubles and we have to go through some trials but in the end when it's all over with we're going to receive our reward and our reward is going to be forever it's just not going to be for a season and then pass away it's going to be forever we're not going to have no more pain no more sickness no more heartaches nothing like that's going to happen on the other hand, the sinners, those that are following after Satan, their reward, they're getting it right now. All those nice cars, big fine homes, and all that, that they have, that's all, that's all the reward that they're going, ever going to receive. Because when they leave this world, they lose everything. And they end up lake of fire which burns forever so their reward just remember when you when you start asking that and you start seeing how that the the uh, world is prospering and they're, they're having a good time and all this and you're going through things just remember my reward is coming my blessing my real blessing is coming they are receiving theirs now and their punishment comes later. But don't envy them. Because we really need to be praying for them instead of envy them. We need to really be reaching out to them and let them know that there is a, a hell to, to get away from and a heaven to, to gain. We need to let them know that, you know, that God, that the Lord had died upon the cross for them and wants to save their soul and he wants to be in their life. We need, that is our job. That's the one thing that Jesus came down to this earth for more than anything, seeking those which were lost. That should be our job. In Proverbs 23, 17, 
Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? That's respect. That's knowledge of what that he can do. That's the understanding that he has the last say in where we go. He has the last say in everything in our life. We can argue down here with each other till the end of time, but there's not going to be any arguing with the Lord. When the Lord speaks it, that's it. It's said and done and sealed, no matter whether you like it or not. So, you know, that, that's the one thing that we need to realize now is whenever the Lord says something, tells us to do something, we might as well go ahead and do it and not argue with him because in the end, we're either going to get punished for not doing it or we're going to go ahead and do it and everything's going to be fine. Titus 3. I forgot the verse. For we ourselves also are sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. For we ourselves. We, we fall into that category a lot of times. Yes, I do. I fall into that category. I get looking around and, and, and I'm trying my best to make ends meet and and you know, and, and God is blessing those people that are coming against me and, and the, uh, the sinners that's out there and they, they have no time whatsoever for the Lord and they are, it seems like that they, they are prospering in everything that they do. And it, yeah, it, it gets a little worrisome, I guess, would be a good word. But always remember, remember where you're going when you end it. Paul said it best. I believe it was Paul. He said, Philippians 4.11, Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith be content. Whatever state you are in. For most of the time when, when we get to it, it seems like our lowest point, that's when the Lord can bless us the most and use us when we get to our lowest point and we figure out that we can't do anything on our own, that's when the Lord can use us and that's when we turn ourselves over to him and he can bless us. Timothy 6, 7, and 8. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Be content with what you have. When you see, when you get to the point of where that you're feeling down because the sinners are getting blessed and you're not, just look around at what you've got. Just take the time to look at what you've got. All right. The Lord said, I will meet your needs. Okay, 
Have you got a house to live in? Have you got heat, water, air conditioning, a bed to sleep in, clothes on your back, a job, or some type of funds coming in? Your needs are met. Your needs are met. Why? Why would we want an abundance? The only reason that I know of that I would want an abundance of anything is so that I can help someone else. We can't take it with us. And we can spend it here. We may spend it on stuff that would be a curse to us instead of a blessing. So use it for the glory of God. That's the one thing that I've always said. Whatever I have got, I want to use it for the glory of God. If I can't use it for the glory of God, I don't want it. It doesn't matter what it is. Whether it's my house, my vehicle, whatever. If I can't use that for God's glory because he's the one that gave it to me in the first place, if I can't use it for him, I don't need it. Express anger productively rather than destructively. I don't know about you all, but my anger and my temper, I used to have a huge problem. And I'm not talking about anger where it builds up and then I go off. I'm talking about if you just hit me at the right time and I'll go off. And the Lord and I have worked a lot on that. And I have, and the Lord has taught me to, to when everything, when stuff starts coming against me, to just stop. Just stop. Ask God to help me. Direct me in the way I need to go. And calm me down. And you, you not believe how little I get angry now. Just because that people around me, especially at work, that's where I get the most angry at. The people around me are watching me, whether I notice it or not, they're watching me. And if I get angry and say something that I shouldn't say or do something that I shouldn't do, they're immediately going to say, well, he's just like me. When I am trying to be what the Lord wanted to be, wants me to be, and that's different. Oh, yeah. Because, like, if, like you said, if I'm at work and I'm not showing my light and I'm just acting in any other, any other old way, uh, they, they're not just judging me. They're, they're, they're saying, well, he goes to Strong Tower. Therefore, they're judging my church. Exactly. And then it's like, well, he's a Christian. Therefore, they're judging my whole belief system. Right. But then now they're judging Jesus. And I, I'm not only putting a bad name on myself, but I'm putting a bad name on my, my 
position in the church as, as a minister. My my church in general has a strong power and that even Jesus himself. I mean, I'm, I'm putting a bad name on all those things just by the way that I'm acting. Right. Uh, yeah, we got And people don't, we don't realize how, how often people does actually watch us. And, and they might not always say nothing about it, but they're always watching to see if you really do walk the walk and not just talk the talk. You know, they're, it doesn't matter just, and, and I say this, not mean anything by it, but just a regular church member who just comes to church every now and then, you know, I mean, they look at those people just as much as, as they would look at me, just because they're also a professing Christian, mm -hmm. and in, in, in them, then they, they even judge the church, they judge the, the religion, they judge everything in that one person, All right. so we definitely got to be more careful outside these walls about what we say and do, and, and, and just the way we act and carry ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to be real. And you know, like, it all, every time I, I think about that, I always go back to the children of Israel coming against Moses, uh, Moses and Aaron. And, and Moses told him, he said, look, he said, put my own words, he said, look, he said, you're not only coming against me and Aaron, you're coming against the Lord too. When you come and you're complaining and griping to us, you're not only complaining and griping to us, you're complaining and griping to the Lord. And that's the reason why God got mad at them so many times and so many things happened to them. It's because of their, their complaining. You know, I, we as Christians, we don't have anything to complain about. I mean, seriously. We have everything that we need. Our Father owns everything in this world. We have everything that we need. When we get to complaining is, is when we think that there is something that we need, when really we don't need it, we want it. We get our needs and our wants mixed up. Do I need a brand new car? No. I can get a used car that will be just as good and not cost as much money. It may not look as good as new, but it still serves the same purpose. I may not have the most prettiest house on the block, but it serves my needs. I may not have the best looking cars in Johnson City, they serve my needs. So, you know, we, the children of Israel, I know I'm, I'm gonna get on them, <laughs> because of course, I'm studying them and teaching them in the podcast right now. But the children of Israel complained about everything. I mean, the first one that got just leaves a little bit thirsty, that person started complaining, and then that person complained, and then that, it's like dominoes. One starts and everybody. And then when he gets up to a big enough group, then they go to Moses and Aaron and they start complaining to them which by them, they're complaining to, the, to God. When they, and I can, I can sit down and, and look at the children of Israel going out in, the, out in the wilderness, nothing around nowhere, and I can see how that God was blessing them every way they turned. Listen, these people were in the wilderness for 40 years. Always had food, always had water, 
always had rain. Always had anything that they need. You, know, you don't hear very many people getting sick until they, they start complaining and the plagues move in. For 40 years, that God met their need for 40 years while they were in the wilderness. These people come out of Egypt and they built this beautiful, elaborate tabernacle that was mobile. It could be taken down and moved at any time, point in time. Tons and tons of gold and brass and silver that they, and wood and, and cloth that they used to build this. They brought with them out of Egypt. So what do we have to complain about? What do we, what do we have to be angry about? We have nothing to be angry with, about. But you know, ang anger in a productive way is good, but you have got to rely upon the Lord to let him to show you how to direct your anger in a positive way. Remember the uh, pastor preaching about Jonah? Twice God told him, do us that well to be angry. It did you get angry. Jesus got angry. He went into the temple and he turned over all the money changers' tables and, and ran them out. He got, he got upset at them because they were doing that. Ephesians 4.26, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sin go down on your wrath. Lieutenant, that's weird, but there's growth with anger. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. I think sometimes we have to get angry in situations because you grow from anger. Mm -hmm. I know I have. Yeah. If you sit and you take the anger and do good with the anger, and you're not going to grow if you take anger and, and, and run with anger, you're, you're only going to go backwards. It took me years to learn that <laughs> because anger used to control me. Right. And yes, the old man shows himself every once in a while because it wants to rise up, but you have to control that. But I have grown from anger in a lot of issues in a lot of ways. All right. You can take and get angry and you can be, be productive. But when you get to that point to where you're angry, you have, like I said, I have to stop. And I have to ask the Lord for the help, and I have, to, I have to think about it. And when I do that, he will show me a route, a better route than what I was going or, or what was going on. He will show me something better, and it will work out better in the long run as to where I had to have went out on whatever. It would have been worse. The situation would have come out totally different. Yeah, it's, you know, we need to use it productively, but not destructively. When you think about it, you got, you, you got strength with anger. When you think about people in like the sports, when they're training, you yeah. have to train, or a trainer will tell the, the person they're training, get angry with it. Uh, the 
gym's the greatest place. I watched a bunch of guys years ago in mental illness that they'd be lifting a weight they've never done, and a guy spotting them spun snatch saying, get mad at it, get mad at it. And they turn that anger into strength. Yeah. So they, they grow from anger if you control the anger in the right way. Well, if you ever watch any of the uh, movies about the uh, military, those drill sergeants are some of the most hatefulest people on the world. But they're, they don't do it to be, uh, be mean or anything like that. They make you get angry so that you will grow. Make you tough. Make you tough. Angry makes you, anger makes your skin tough to handle the next situation better than what you did. In Mark 11, 15 through 17. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, it is, is it not written, My house shall be called a, of all nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves? Lord took his anger. He went in and he ran everybody out of there that was buying and selling and uh, exchanging money. He ran all those people out of there and then he turned around and he taught a lesson about what he had just did. You know, the one thing, one thing I always said is, I mean, I guess a couple of years ago, or maybe more, I started telling the Lord, teach me, teach me. I need to be taught. I need to be taught on everything, Lord, so teach me. So he, taught, he started teaching me on my anger. And when I start, start, Getting angry and, and uh, say things that I shouldn't, uh, shouldn't say, he, he will check me on Okay? Then, first thing I have to do is I have to ask him for forgiveness for what I said. Whether I said it out loud or I said it in my mind, I'll ask him to forgive me for what I said. And then I'll stop. I say, okay, Lord, I need your help. And I have found out that the more I do that, the easier that it is to remain calm and not get excited when, when things happen. It seems like whenever one of my, when my machines are messing up one or two or three of them at a time, my supervisor has got to come around and say something to me. Never fail. Bless his heart, I went off on him more times than one. But now then, the things be going wrong, and I, I'm doing what I can to get things straightened out. He'll come up, and he'll start talking to me, and I'll just stop and talk to him, just very calmly talk to him. And we'll get things worked out or whatever, and he'll, he'll walk off, and I'll go back to work. Feeling a whole lot better than I did the other times when I went off, because I felt like I felt very ashamed and I felt very ignorant. But 
those times that I really got on him for no reason at all. It wasn't his fault. He had nothing to do with it. You can control your anger by making choices, such as carefully listening and thinking to messages others are communicating to you. Listening and thinking about what you're doing and Lord, I'm listening. Several times after I, I, I got saved and I started living for the Lord and everything and I lay down in my bed at night and, and I, that thought would come to my mind, what if? I said, praise the Lord, I'm going home. The next thing I know, the clock, alarm clock's going on. Just because I don't worry about fear. Fear, fear doesn't own me. I'm cautious about a lot of things, but I don't fear things. You know, if really, if we sit down and think about our life during the day, if we were to really uh, have fear in our life, I mean a lot of fear in our life, we wouldn't get out of the house. Because if you sit, if you think about the things that you do during the day and what is, then you would be afraid to go out of your house. You know, it, there's a lot of things that can happen to us during the day. But the thing about it is, if you're a child of God, you don't have to worry about the what is. Because you know where you know where you're going. Don't don't fear man. Because man can only take your life. God can take your life, your body and soul both in hell. What if? What if? What if you had a wreck on the way home? I ask that question because of this. Are you for a fact sure that if 
something happened between you and home and it took your life, do you know for a fact where that you would go when you left this world? I mean, no questions, no doubts whatsoever. Do you know for a fact where you would go? Break free of fear. Second Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And rather than placing your, 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 your thoughts and, and uh, your beliefs and, and what ifs, place all that in the, in the Lord. You don't have to worry about those what ifs. Place your faith in the Lord. Give him charge of your future. Put your life in his hand. Trust him to lead and guide and direct you in the way that he wants. He knows that you need to go and follow him and do his will, and we don't have to worry about anything else. Fear God. That's what we need to do. Fear him. Respect him. Know that at any point in time that he can take our life. Know that at any point in time he can allow everything that we have to be taken away from us. And know that at any point in time that he can bless us beyond measure but we need to, you know, I, I love my parents. When they were alive, I loved them, and I miss them dearly. But I had a fear of my dad and my mom both. It wasn't a fear of, uh, of I'm afraid that they were going to do something to me. I had a respect for them and knew that when I messed up, I was going to get punished. I knew that. And I respected them for that, and I still respect them for that. Because let me tell you something, you can look at the world today and the people have, the moms and dads have quit chastising their kids and have quit correcting them and look where the world's at today. You can blame it on whatever you want to, you can blame it on psychiatrists, you can blame it on government, but mom and dad, it's our fault that we do not, do not correct our kids, so you just might as well own up to it because it is our problem, and it's not God's fault. Pray about each area. Take, take, a, take a checkup in your life. Figure out the things that make you afraid. Figure out the things that you fear the most. And then take each one of those and write them down somewhere. <coughs> And then one by one, get in touch with the Lord and, and ask him to help you on that one. When you get free of that one, go to the next one. When you get free of that one, go to the next one. Don't be afraid to ask God for anything. You may not always get it. But don't be afraid to ask him for anything. Don't be afraid to go to him and, to, and ask him for help. That is the one thing that the Lord wants to do more than anything is to help his children. He is waiting 
You know, it's just like us as parents. We know what our children need before it's ever asked. We know what kind of situation they're in. We know what they need. But sometimes we wait on them to ask us yes. for help. Just because they become humble when they do. Anybody have any questions or comments this morning? Thank you all.